Welcome back to another episode of Crosses and Graces. My name is Peter Holm, and today we're going to talk about Mary, our blessed mother, the one and only. Before we get started, thank you to Restoring the Faith for actually hosting this show. We really appreciate it, and thank you all for watching. We appreciate all of the comments that you guys throw at us and all the back and forth and being able to help educate you. If you like this episode, smash that like button. If, by chance, you don't like it, that's okay. Throw comments and we'll go and build from there. So I appreciate all your time and interactions. Without further ado, Mary. So Catholics, we're really big on Mary, right? We love her because she is our mother, because that's what God made her to be, the best mother of all. Because if you could choose a mother, would you choose a mother with any flaws? No, you would want the perfect one. And in God's case, he made her for himself. Now, Mary is a unique creature, to say the least. Catholics do not worship her, not at all. We do not adore her, because adoration and worship are both reserved for God alone. She is a saint, and she is the most graceful of all saints by any stretch, the only one who was created, not only purified in the womb to be without sin, but to be full of grace, which is how it all lines up, because we see in the Gospel of Luke that she's made full of grace. This is really cool. An amazing creature and then an amazing mother for us all, which we can see given to John from our Lord on the cross at the end of the Gospel of John, right? Really cool. Mary, our mother, is an amazing creature whom we honor and venerate. This is the same way how when Americans say the Pledge of Allegiance, we put our hand on our heart. Why? It's a veneration. It's an honoring of our country. It's piety. It's patriotism. So in the same vein, we then honor George Washington. We honor veterans with moments of silence. We even kiss gravestones of our loved ones who have passed on. And we put pictures of the people we love on our walls, in wallets. We do many things to honor and venerate and share memory and relationship and love with different people, humans, in many facets of our lives. In the same vein, this is what we Catholics have with Mary. She is our mother. She is a creature. We honor her and venerate her. We have images of her all over the place because she is our mother. She loves us more than our actual mothers. It's true. Now, our actual mothers, blood mothers, they love us. Not like Mary loves us. It's different. Mary is our spiritual mother helping us to get to heaven. She's queen of heaven and earth because that's how God made her. So what is so special about her and why do Catholics sit there and put her in this position that seems really unique if we've focused a lot on Jesus Christ? Well, I'm going to go over a bunch of those aspects of her characteristics and unique traits that she has that make her one and only, unlike any other creature ever made in all of time and space. From the beginning all the way into the end, there will never be anyone like our mother. Why? Mary is the only human being who was present at the birth of both bodies of Christ. So she was there the first Christmas. Jesus comes out of her side miraculously 
and is set in the manger, right? Well, then his mystical body was created at Pentecost. She was there for that as well, leading the apostles. So the only one who'd seen Jesus Christ born, his actual human body, gets to see his mystical body born as well. Amazing. Another thing that's very important that we need to make sure that we don't forget here is that Jesus Christ is the new Adam. And in the same way that there is a new Adam, there was also a new Eve. Now, the original Adam and Eve, Eve comes from Adam, miraculously out of the side of Adam. And then we know the rest of the story from the tree of knowledge and they eat the fruit and then all mankind falls because the woman led the man and they all went along with it and original sin and the rest is history kind of thing. When God in his infinite wisdom decides to undo and clean up and fix everything that Adam and Eve did, he makes a new Adam. Now, this is what Paul refers to Christ. So when he's writing to the Corinthians, he refers to Christ as the new Adam. That means that Mary then in that same vein, along that same analogy, becomes the new Eve. Cool. In terms of poetic here, remember old Adam miraculously Eve comes out of old Adam from the rib from the side and what happens in Bethlehem the new Eve has the new Adam taken from her side so that they can remake and redeem everything to close up everything that was broken by the old Adam and the old Eve is now fixed by the new Adam and the new Eve very poetic, very cool. Again, Mary one and only. Mary's the only woman to carry God in her womb because when God's divine nature joined with the human nature, both of them continuing to be just human nature, just divine nature, but one divine person that encapsulates and contains all of it, Mary is the only person that actually held God in her womb. She is the Theotokos, the God-bearer. This is the Council of Ephesus, 431. Look that up. When we look also at more into Luke and Samuel, so we look at the book of Samuel and looking at the Ark of the Covenant, and we look at Luke and how he talks about Mary, Luke is comparing Mary to the Ark of the Covenant. Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant, where the Ark of the Covenant, the old handmade to God's specifications and very holy, it only held symbols of what was to come. It held a rod of Aaron, it held the manna from heaven, and it held the tablets, the law. All these things were symbols, not living. Whereas Mary, by contrast, holds the actual law giver, holds the actual Lord himself, and holds the actual bread of life. Mary, the God-made ark. And if we remember what happened when Uzzah impurely, or without being cleaned, touched the ark, God killed him. Because that's how much he said that the man-made ark, the, that imperfect ark, needed to be kept pure. Think of how he looks at his daughter, his own creation, Mary. Like that should set you back just a bit to say, hmm, he probably puts a lot of protection over our blessed mother and cares for her very, very, very much. So there's a dynamic there that of love that will be unmatched 
between any other human being, which is one of the reasons why Louis de Montfort looks at Mary at the top of all creation as one who has more grace than all the rest of creation combined in that Mary compared to God, because she's not divine, she's a speck compared to all of the glory and divinity of God. But then when you look at all the rest of mankind, each one of us compared to Mary is a speck compared to her greatness, glory, and grace. So perspective in terms of what we've been given from the saints and scriptures, breathtaking, all things considered. You see Mary also in scripture being admired and kind of elevated, venerated by Elizabeth. So the elderly Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John the Baptist, talks about what an honor it is to receive the mother of our Lord, a 13 and change year old Mary to her and is, is lifting her up, which is an interesting reversal. Usually authority carries with age. So it's a very unique dynamic that happens there at the visitation. Mary spent more time with Jesus on earth than any other human being ever. She was with him from his birth until his crucifixion, 33 years. Mary not only was mother of Jesus, but he acknowledges that she was mother. And then he, God, submitted himself to her authority for 30 years. No other human received submission like her from God for that long a time. The only one who comes close is St. Joseph, who at least for 13 years-ish was able to get God in submission to him because stepfather of Jesus, right? But Mary then has command over God for 30 years. No one else we know has had anything like that. And speaking of that 30-year time frame, what was the culminating moment whenever the authority shifts from Mary kind of driving things to Jesus taking over and saying, all right, it's mine now? That was the marriage at Cana. Marriage at Cana is where the first miracle, public miracle of Jesus takes place. And who is the one responsible for helping to incite that miracle? Mary. Mary's the one who recognizes that running out of wine Mary's the one who brings it to the attention of Jesus and then ultimately tells the wine steward to do what Jesus tells him to do to make sure there's more wine. So Mary has a huge impact and a huge driving force, the catalyst for that first public miracle of Jesus Christ. Mary is the only woman assigned by Jesus to be the mother of the apostles. As I said, she is our mother as well by extension. Mary is the only person in the New Testament other than Jesus Christ to give us prayer. That's the Magnificat. Now, Mary is put in a position to do what Abraham did not have to do. So as Jesus finally comes out of his submission phase, where he is still son of Mary and not yet the teacher to redeem the world, that transition when he gets into, no, he's going to wear his crown now and he's going to do what needs to be done. Mary gets the opportunity to do what Abraham never had to do with Isaac. So even though God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, by the time Abraham shows up and gets ready to offer Isaac, the ram shows up so that the animal could be offered in place of Abraham's son. In Mary's case, 
her son is the lamb and she had to consent and chose to consent to do what no human has ever done ever or will ever do again mary was asked to give up an infinite god to his father so that the rest of us could be redeemed think about that all the rest of us spend our entire lives going towards god to pull him in and take him on and accept him and keep him and never let him go where mary at the passion and crucifixion actually had to do the opposite and had to let him go by choice so that he could do the work that needed to be done so everyone else could receive him an amazing feat for a human being to do she gave up what none of us ever would be asked to give up for that alone there's a lot of honor in that in revelation 12 1 she is the woman clothed in the sun with the crown because she happens to be the mother of the son which will rule all nations revelation 12 5 which means that's her and if you look at the last verse of the previous chapter so it's a eleven nineteen revelation or apocalypse eleven nineteen, the ark of the covenant shows up oh mary yep they're talking about mary as the ark of the covenant in heaven that's why she shows up and it ties all together with the ark and the sun and the rulership of the world it's all there pretty cool Mary is the only spouse of the Holy Ghost. So Mary is daughter of the Father, mother of the Son, and spouse of the Holy Ghost. No human being holds a relationship like that with our God, except her, one and only. When Pentecost occurs, Mary is the only person at Pentecost already filled with the Holy Ghost before the Holy Ghost descends into the apostles. Again, Mary is not just a normal woman. She is mother of Jesus, mother of the king. It makes her a queen mother and the mother of God. So putting it all together, we're looking at Luke 1, and John 20, 28. You can see that dynamic and who she is. Because our queen, our mother, um, mother of God. Amazing aspects of uh, this person there. It's it's totally breathtaking. Again, if you guys have comments, questions, thoughts, make sure to throw them down below because uh, I got a few more here and then we'll, uh, we'll close this out. So think on this for a minute. If Jesus, our Lord, honors his mother, then we are also to walk in his footsteps. And we read this in the Gospels, Matthew and Mark, and we read about it in first john and first peter we're supposed to follow in the footsteps of our lord do what he does now if he honors his mother protestants i'm looking at you if he honors his mother you need to do so as well if you truly love your god christ our king and we want to do what he shows us we need to do we need to do what he does honor his mother venerate his mother elevate her to where her rightful place is next to our Lord, to his right hand. Because she is his mother, the mother of God, right? When we say mother of God, we don't mean mother of the Father, mother of the Holy Ghost. This is three divine persons. She's mother of only the Son, all right? And the Son is still God. Therefore, mother of God, it's a transitive property. Mathematics and logic. Also, anyone who does not do as Christ shows us, to honor his mother takes a risk at their own peril and we read that in proverbs 30 17. let's make sure we do what god wants us to do 
So again, to reiterate and to close out here, we Catholics do not worship Mary. We do not adore Mary. All of that is reserved specifically for God alone. That said, knowing that Mary is absolutely not God, and by the way, there's a heresy that's known as coloridianism, which you can look that up, and I will put a link to it on the screen or whatever, at least a caption so you guys can copy it or at least uh, write it down. Coloridianism is the heresy that involves Marian worship, and that is a bad thing. We don't do that, and it was already called out very early on in the church, so anyone who accuses Catholics of worshiping Mary has no idea what they're talking about because we Catholics agree, don't worship Mary, it's bad, don't do it. But we do honor our mother, we do venerate our mother, and we place her in the position of rightful respect where she needs to be because that's where God, the Son, put her. Does that make sense? Even into the 16 and 1700s, Mary, our mother, was venerated even among Protestants. But what we see is a breakdown, complete breakdown in Christian theology that starts, that comes along with the Enlightenment, which is a more of darkening of the wit and mind as people start to turn away from the truth of God. They leave Mary, our mother, which seems foolish because, remember, how did God come to the earth? God didn't come down in a laser light show on a chariot and say, look at me, I'm here, and get all flashy and show how great he was. He chose to take on human flesh and come through the womb of a woman, an immaculate woman, marry his mother. That means that God, for some reason, whether you like it or not, decided that the best plan, the perfect plan, the only plan for his redemption of this people, humanity, the earth, was supposed to be done by way of Mary, a woman, his mother, our queen. Okay, If God places that much weight on her, that he would use her as an integral piece of the redemption of mankind, perhaps we should probably put her in that important position as well. I think it seems prudent. We'll finish out with this. Now, this is St. Anselm talking about Mary and her role and why she is as important as she is. St. Anselm was born somewhere around 1033 and died around 1109. He served the last part of his life as the Archbishop of Canterbury and had some very meaningful writings and meaningful contributions to the Catholic faith. And this, what I'm going to read here, is one of them. So, without further ado, quote, To Mary God gave his only begotten Son, whom he loved as himself. Through Mary God made himself a son, not different, but the same, by nature Son of God and Son of Mary. The whole universe was created by God, and God was born of Mary. God created all things, and Mary gave birth to God. The God who made all things gave himself form through Mary, and thus he made his own creation. He who could create all things from nothing would not remake his ruined creation without Mary. God, then, is the father of the created world, and Mary the mother of the recreated world. God is the father by whom all things were given life, and Mary the mother through whom all things were given new life. For God begot the Son through whom all things were made, and Mary gave birth to him, as the Savior of the world. 
Without God's Son, nothing could exist. Without Mary's Son, nothing could be redeemed. Truly, the Lord is with thee, whom the Lord granted that all nature should owe as much to thee as to himself. End quote. So that's St. Anselm honoring our Blessed Mother, as all of us should do as well. Now, I hope that was helpful for all of you. Please make sure to throw comments down below. If you have questions, issues, whatever, make sure that we hear about it. If you like it, smash the like button. And as always, thank you for watching. May God bless us and the Virgin protect us. And St. Joseph, pray for us. All right. Thanks for listening.